Hello, Charlie Gladstone here, and welcome to my Some Good Mavericks podcast and the final bit of series one of my Cover Stories special edition. I say series one because there has been such a positive response to this and I've enjoyed doing it so much, as I know have my contributors, that I've decided that I will do more series of this in due course. I just need a bit of time to assemble some answers and get on with one or two other things and I will do another series. So this is part six of Cover Stories in which people dial in their reminiscences about their relationship with a particular cover version of a song. It may well be one that is well known or a very obscure one, whatever. I don't think this really is about music. I think it's about people and passion and love and nostalgia. And as I say, people's personal and often deeply personal relationship with a piece of music. But that piece of music must be a cover version. We kick off today with my friend Anthony Oram, the graphic designer who will be well known to many of you. You can find out more of his work at anthonyoram.com. We've worked with him a lot over the course of the last several years, including most recently with our 5050 project to help creative freelancers. He's a graphic designer for hire. He has products that he's designed and he sells on his website. and. As I say, I've known him for a number of years. Anyway, Anthony is talking today about one of the most moving and perhaps unexpected mainstream cover versions of recent years, which is Johnny Cash's version of the Nine Inch Nails song, Hurt. Hey Charlie, Anthony here. Today I'm gonna talk to you about one of my favorite tracks by Nine Inch Nails. It's called Hurt and the cover of said track by Johnny Cash and about how um, a new interpretation of a song can change its entire meaning and how it's perceived by by the listener. Now, back in 92, Trent Reznor had rented a house in LA and it's a infamous house. Um, it was the scene of the, the Tate murders by the Manson family, which is a pretty dark place to record an album but it's a pretty dark album, to be honest. It's called The Downward Spiral. It's kind of a concept album that follows the protagonist's decline mentally um, to a sort of pit of despair, really. Um, it deserves a listen in full, but it's it's not an easy listen. It's, it's pretty harrowing, to be honest. Um, and it came at a pretty bad time in my life. I was uh, struggling with a dark depression, much like Trent Reznor when he recorded the album. Um, but it really, really resonated with me. Um, so yes, but the uh, final track on the album is called Hurt. The opening lines, I hurt myself today to see if I still feel. I focus on the pain, the only thing that is real. It's a painful piece of music it's it's haunting it builds into this like um, industrial hand grenade and it makes me want to punch a wall until my knuckles bleed before collapsing to the floor in despair it's uh it's a roller coaster but but you know a good roller coaster one you want to go back on again and again but let's uh let's move on to the 
the cash version and, and leave the despair behind for a, a short while. Now, Rick Rubin had been, uh, who's probably most famous for working with the Beastie Boys and Public Enemy and, and the like, was looking for acts for his new label, American Recordings, and he, he signed up Johnny Cash, and I think they produced about six albums together in full. Uh, the fourth album, The Man Comes Around, features Cash's cover of Hurt. Now, from what I've read, Reznor, when he was first approached by Rubin, he wasn't too sure about this. He thought, you know, although he was flattered, he thought it could be a bit gimmicky, um, and he wasn't really sure it was going to happen. But, and I think it turned Cash wasn't really that keen on it either. Having been played the song by Rubin, he couldn't really see through the industrial noise to, to how he could interpret it. But I think Rubin persisted and, you know, asked Cash just to read the lyrics. Um, and, and Cash did so and was kind of, I guess, talked into it. Um, and they then recorded it. I hurt myself today To see if I still feel I focus on the pain The only thing that's real The needle tears a hole the old familiar sting Try to kill it all away But I remember everything What have I become? My sweetest friend Everyone I know goes away in the air and you could have it all my empire of dirt I will let you down I will make you hurt I think when when Trent Reznor first heard the track, he wasn't really blown away with it. It was a very personal track to him from a really tough period in his life. And I think it was a bit bit violating to hear somebody else sing sing your sing his song. Um but I think it wasn't really until uh, another Nine Inch Nails collaborator, Mark Romanek, um made the video to it, which um takes you on a journey um, around Cash's home and former museum, the House of Cash, that you really get the sort of heart-wrenching depiction of a man in failing health reflecting on his life. And I think it's... And for me, it's only really with the video that the, the song changes um, from, from this spiral of despair with, with Reznor's version into this reflective epitaph of Cash's career. And it feels way more nostalgic and a man looking back over his life and seeing past glimpses of former glory mixed with, with regret. Um, and I think even Trent Reznor, when he saw the video, was really moved and realised the song wasn't really his anymore. But 
Yeah, that's it. Give them both a listen. Listen, both great in their own right. Um, but watch the video with the cash song. Repair beneath the stains of time. The feelings disappear. You are someone else. I am still right here. What have I become? My sweetest friend. Everyone I know goes away in the end. And you could have it all. Thank you very much indeed for that, Ant. If you would like to listen to those two songs, then they are both on the Some Good Ideas Library of Cover Versions playlist on Spotify. And there are notes and in-depth commentary on these cover versions and lots of other cover versions on the Some Good Ideas website where you can search the library of cover versions. Anyway, next up today, and finally for this series, we have our youngest son, Felix Gladstone, who is 19 years old and who is at Edinburgh University. I regard Felix, as I do all of my children, as one of my absolute best friends. I've been incredibly lucky to be able to share so many of my enthusiasms with my children, and truthfully, if you ask me who I'd like to hang out with and spend time with, I can honestly say that it would be Caroline and the children more than anyone else. Felix and I share a number of common interests. In particular, we're both really, really passionate about Liverpool Football Club. And we are also very much, as he talks about eloquently in this piece, partners in the joy of music. He mentions briefly during this that we DJ together sometimes, and indeed we do. He's actually much better than I am, although I've been doing it for a much longer time. And um, we DJ together solely on vinyl. Uh, we don't do it very often, of course, although we were going to be doing it at this year's Good Life Experience before it was postponed. The most fun we ever had doing it was that at our daughter India's wedding. Anyway, here is Felix talking about one of the most unexpected and surprising cover versions of all time and one that I hold incredibly dear and, interesting enough, one that appeared originally as a B-side to a single from an album. Uh, hello. I guess I'm probably the person closest in proximity to you to have contributed to one of these cover stories podcasts where only separated by a singular flight of stairs uh, 
as opposed to me being in another part of the country or another part of the world. This this has also given me a uh, a newfound respect for podcasters across the world after struggling but trying to record this quite a few times over the last couple of days. But I've come upstairs just to have a think and a talk about this particular cover song. Uh, and that song is the cover of the Van Halen song, Jump, which was covered by Aztec Camera in the 1980s. So I guess I'll talk a little bit about the song itself and, and what I think of it. And then in a wider sense, how I discovered it and what it means to me, uh, both of which for me are, are linked. So to talk about the song itself a little bit, I think part of the reason why I love this song so much is because it changes massively from the original to the cover. So much so that Aztec Camera almost make their own song out of it. It transforms from this upbeat, cheesy song played in American high school dance halls at their prom to this beautifully soft, low and, and lyrical song with that signature Spanish acoustic guitar playing in the background. And I think one of the best things uh, about this cover is that Roddy Frame and, and Aztec Camera, they strip it right back to the basics. And in doing so, they really uncover the beauty of Van Halen's lyrics, which are somewhat lost in, in the synths and the drums of the original version. So it's a cover that doesn't really seem like a cover because the song changes hugely. Uh, and I think that is, that is what makes it such a good cover and, and such a good song. discovered this song on one of many trips with my parents, uh, with you, my dad, and my mum to the west coast of Scotland, which would usually involve uh, a car journey. And this song was introduced to me on one of those car journeys as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, cover songs of all time. Uh, and I was I was unfamiliar with Aztec Camera before that. Um, I'd heard a few of their songs, but never really paid much attention. But on on hearing Jump, uh, it started a, a real love for Aztec Camera for me, 
uh, a real a real fascination with Roddy Frame and his his ample talent that started from such a young age. Uh, I can't have even imagined doing what he did at uh, at fifteen, sixteen. In fact, I wrote quite a satirical article about Scottish musicians the other day, and I really struggled to find anything to write even remotely at the expense of Roddy Frame because he was and is just that incredible. My my love for Aztec Camera also tells a lot about my relationship with my dad, uh, with you. And one of the core values of our friendship has always been music discovering new music together, telling each other what we love and curating endless playlists to listen to on long car journeys. Our shared interest in music, I think, really highlights the, the consensus in our friendship. I'm interested in the old stuff that he loved and he is now interested in the new stuff that I am beginning to love and, and suggest to him. I find it particularly amazing when you consider that so many years of culture span between the two of us, so many genres and, and styles and, and possible, possible things for us to love, and yet we still seem to land on, mostly, the same music every time. Uh, we, we have a genuine shared interest, and not because... Over the years, I've been forced to like what he likes. I'll always tell him if I don't like something and him likewise to me too. But it's because I am genuinely, genuinely interested in, in what he likes and him in what I like too. Uh, and so Jump really summarises that relationship for me. And there's a really perfect timeline to the song as well. It started uh, in a car on the west coast of Scotland, starting a love of mine for Aztec Camera, and then culminated really nicely the other day, listening to uh, Highland Hard Rain, which is Aztec Camera's first album, on Tim Burgess's Twitter listening party. And me and my dad both sat in the kitchen on a Sunday night with a drink and the vinyl and we listened to the album back to front just talking about how amazing it was and reading and discussing everyone's wonderful Aztec camera related stories and and pictures so I guess I don't just love Jump because of the, the beautiful stripped back song uh but also because it reminds me of the ever-present friendship with my dad, something that music, and particularly bands like Aztec Camera, The Streets, Talking Heads, and more recently, Arab Strap and Caribou, uh, and the likes are, are a really key part of for me. Uh, whether we are DJing uh, on a long car journey, 
sharing our most recent vinyl purchase with one another, or even just sitting and listening to music, new or old. It, it really sparks up a feeling of, of camaraderie between the two of us. I feel like music is a real spark in our friendship and our relationship. Probably all of my friends will, will tell you that whenever they ask me how I discovered a song, uh, it more than likely ends up back at my dad. Uh, so music and, and jump in particular really hold true for me, uh, this, this huge bond between me and my dad, uh, one that has allowed us to share some incredible moments in, in cars, in the kitchen, and especially at gigs. And they're ones that I will never forget for the rest of my life and, and that I hope to have with my own kids someday. So I guess music is, is a key if not the foundation, uh, apart from being father and son, to mine and, and my dad's relationship. I guess I would have to thank Roddy Frame for that. Thank you very much, Felix. That was just great. Now, just to round off this series, as you may know if you've listened to other episodes, I have been talking about a cover version at the end of each edition. Now, today I'm going to talk about something which is really incredibly unusual, which is an entire album of cover versions. In 2019, Mercury Rev released Bobby Gentry's The Delta Suite Revisited, which was an entire remake with one new track of the 1968 album, The Delta Suite by Bobby Gentry. And it is an absolutely fantastic record. Just to start off, I have been a long-term follower of Mercury Rev. Their absolutely seminal and quite extraordinary 1998 album, The Deserters Songs, has been a significant family favourite for all of our family since it first came out. And I think it is one of the most unusual and inventive and beautiful and original albums possibly ever made. It, it was regarded by many critics as the best album of that year, and it is undoubtedly a classic of alternative music. I've always enjoyed parts of the Mercury Rev myth. They they kind of live in upstate New York. They live a fairly sort of feral life involving 
axes and booze and, and unfortunately lots of times in their lives uh, an enormous amount of very hard drugs. But they are a, a, a complicated but truly fascinating band and I think that that is the absolute apex of their career. They've made other good albums, um, but nothing as great as that, I don't think. Big boss man Can you hear me when I call? Big boss man Can you hear me when I call? Just all that's all You got me working, boss man Working round the clock I want me a drink of water In 2019, um, for whatever reason, they decided to recreate Bobby Gentry's The Delta Suite. And they did so by playing the music themselves and working with a whole load of highly respected female singers to recreate Bobby Gentry's um, voice. They, they worked with Nora Jones and the amazing Hope Sandoval. They, they worked with Phoebe Bridgers and Beth Orton. And on Ode to Billy Joe, they worked with Lucinda Williams. It was a third of June, another sleepy dusty delta. I was out chopping cotton and my brother was bailing And it So 
I would highly recommend this album. It's full of amazing songs. The original was not a big commercial hit. It was, I, I knew of it. Um, it, was, it had some sort of importance and some legacy in music, but, but it wasn't a big thing. But this recreation made, as I say, for whatever reason, is a really spectacular record. And I think that it is well worth your time and investigation. Anyway, that is it from me. Thank you very much indeed for joining me on this series. I'll be back with more podcasts soon. I've loved doing this series and I'm so grateful to all of you for all of the lovely positive messages. And um, if you have a chance and you know how to do it, I'd love it if you would rate me on iTunes um, if you listen there. Uh, you don't have to, of course, and it's actually rather hard to do. I can never quite figure out how to do it. Um, someone gave me one star about two and a half years ago, and I never really understood why they bothered. But if you don't like the podcast, I guess you haven't got this far, so I don't need to worry about that. Thank you very much to my friend Jim Friend for editing it. Thank you to all of my eloquent and generous contributors, and I will see you soon. Thanks so much. Bye. Was a child for the whole Kelowna band All the way from Cassius Cove Up from the